You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton. And before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you, head over to NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners on Facebook and make sure you request access to that if you are a gym owner. If you're not a gym owner and you're a coach, head over to the uh, Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Coaches Facebook group where we also post content related to coaches, just not as owner specific. And make sure you head on over to nextgenowners.com. Make sure you're signed up for our blog. And lastly, like, share, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on any other great future episodes to help you grow your business. All right, so we're going to get right to it, and we are going to be talking about how to make a profit during your all-star season, and ARM is a really key metric that we want to track. That's our average revenue monthly per client, and oftentimes we feel like we can't ask for more money from our current clients because all-star is already so expensive. So how do we profit more off of all-star season even though it's already going? Right, I'm recording this October 10th of 2022, so we're getting ready to go into the comp season. So for all of us, I would hope our pricing is already set. We've released our packets to our parents. They know what the season is going to cost, and we're not really changing that. So how do we make a profit after all that is released and we're in the middle of competition season and things are going strong and heavy and we're already overtasked? Well, number one, is going to be host a showcase and charge for viewing and selling product. And I'm going to talk you through how we've done that and turned it into a major profit generator for our program. Number two, run two competition-focused pro shops, one in October, November, and one in February for the end of season. And number three, run a pre-registration starting at the end of February. So, We know that everyone is focused on competitions right now, myself included. I talked about this a little bit on my last episode, and obviously competition is on the mind. I just picked up our dance choreographer from the airport today, uh, Taylor uh, Shapiro. She's one of my camp staff, and she is in town to do our dances for our routines, and I'm so excited to have her. Everything uh, on my mind right now is competition. I'm, I'm looking at videos. I'm tweaking choreography. I'm traveling on the weekends doing choreography. So like everything about life right now is competition. So first off, before we get into the big three, the first real number one way to make a profit during comp season is to budget correctly at the beginning of the season. You absolutely 100% should be marking up everything. Every single thing to include uniforms, to include warm ups, to include practice apparel, to include competition costs. Every single thing should be marked up and do not go over your budget. This is how you can ensure you profit. Now, you might say, Well, how can I, in good conscience, charge extra for competition fees when parents can go online and find the competition fees? And what if they ask me? 
where my fees are going? Well, number one, I would encourage you not to list out a competition by competition cost. Just have four equal installments for competition fees spread out through the months that you are going to need them, generally well before the competitions are happening. Number two is actually think about the amount of time that goes into just registering for one competition. It's not free. There is a lot of effort that goes into planning for each competition. You're putting out packets, you're registering, you are paying someone to build rosters or you're building rosters. There's a lot of work that goes into that. So just to simply say, oh, well, I don't charge people for that. I don't mark people up for that is an error on your part uh, if you're doing it that way. Additionally, it is very easy for that money to get really tight really quick. If you're not following some of my previous episodes and you are providing scholarships or you are providing trade, well, it's really great to want to trade someone to clean the gym uh, to help their athlete cheer. But the cleaning of the gym really isn't putting money in your pocket. And would you really be paying someone that much money? Would you really be willing if I told you, hey, look, I want you to spend $5,000 a year to clean your gym. Would you be like, hand me the vacuum, please? I think I think you would. Most of us would. Now, maybe it's worth it to you and maybe you have enough revenue coming in where that makes sense. But for a lot of our gyms, uh, for a lot of small gyms especially, $5,000 is a big chunk of change. And that's what you're talking about when you fully scholarship people. So if you're providing that in that's that's or a fully trade someone. So that's a pretty hefty price that you're putting on something that you could be bringing in additional revenue um, by having that person pay. And I totally get that you want to fill your teams and you want the most successful athletes. And that's really important. But set a budget, mark things up, stick to that budget avoid scholarships. Like that's really the biggest way we make money or we we profit during all-star season. And all-star should be a profit generator for your program. If it's not, uh, we really need to be looking at what we're doing financially because you absolutely can make money doing all-star cheerleading. The people that told us the lie that we can't make money having all-star cheer as a program are the people who want our money or the people who want to give us less money. Those are the two people who benefit the most by saying, oh, well, All-Star doesn't really profit. You need to profit only off of rec, or you need to profit only off of apparel sales and things. And that's that's just not true. All-Star should be a profitable program for you. Now, we know that that's the number one way, so let's talk about some additional ways. Let's say we're already there, we've already set our budget, we've already um, potentially made that error, um, and how do we make more money or we've budgeted correctly, but we just want to be more profitable, bring in more revenue so we can do more amazing things within our facility. So I mentioned number one, host a showcase, charge for viewing and sell products. Now this can be challenging if you have a smaller size gym and you don't have the ability to bring in spectators. I totally get it. In fact, my gym, although big, is not ideal for spectators. I can really only bring in about 200 to 250 people um, to sit in chairs and watch a team that is performing. It, it really is not the ideal situation. Uh, so We've found ways around that, though. We host our showcase at our gym. You certainly can partner with a local venue. 
Uh, there are challenges with that, meaning you have to like move your spring floor and set up and tear down. So if you're going to do that, it might be great to partner with some other gyms. But as you start to partner with people more, as you start to make it a bigger thing, it starts to become more complex and less profitable, generally speaking. So if you can find a way to host it in your facility, that is bar none the most profitable way to do it. It may not be the best way. And if you're a super large program like Shelly Shepard's program at Five Star Athletics in Reno, Nevada, you know they rent out a venue at uh, I believe it's a casino or it's a convention center because it's pretty affordable and they can get a stage and they can get chairs. And with 300 plus all-star athletes, it totally makes sense. Plus what they can make off of admissions. So s- set up a showcase and charge for admission. Now you don't need to be varsity or another company that charges 30 or $40 at the door. You don't need to do that for a showcase. We have been very profitable charging $5 for people to come watch our showcase. Now, like I said, we only have 250 people that can fit in for any one team. So you would say, well, gosh, Dan, how do you profit if you could only charge $5 by 250 people? That's really not that much money. And you're not wrong, but this is how we figured out how to do it. We actually sell tickets for $5 per performance. So if you want like people come and watch. And then basically we set aside 30 minutes for each team's performance time. So it allows for family to come watch. It allows for family to come take pictures and do all that stuff, us to cycle people out and then bring new people in. And this was something we did during COVID due to limited restrictions. And we're going to continue again this year because our program is just too big uh, to host it in our facility and have everyone in there the entire time. If we did, I'd probably charge more. I'd probably charge like 10 bucks because we're putting on an event for multiple hours and they're getting to watch that. Like $10 is a pretty fair price. So we've charged $5. We've done a, um, historically we'll do like an all access pass that you can watch all of our teams for 25 bucks. And with seven teams, that's actually a deal, but you're paying to be there, be able to watch all the teams. You get an all access pass. So we have done a couple different things that way to help bring in more revenue with our showcase while also acknowledging the fact that our facility is not really designed for having a lot of people come to a showcase. Now you may want to do your showcases for free. I We've done that in the past before and I will tell you it's just a missed opportunity and most people are going to have no problem paying $5. You're going to rent chairs, you know, you're going to do some things to spruce things up. So that's number one is charge for the showcase. Number two is sell product at the showcase. Sell apparel, sell cookies, sell those little things. Last year at our uh, our showcase, we made over $2,000 in sales with people who were waiting to come in and watch their team. We set up a tent outside. It was a big tent. We just set up our, our little like pop-up pro shop. We brought the same stuff we always have at sale at the front desk out. We brought out some clearance items and then we brought out like one specialty thing. We had a couple other things for sale and we just had that open. We sold um, snacks. We sold things like that for people who were standing in line and we made a decent amount of money. And we did that 
preseason. So we do that in November for us this year. We're doing ours November 20th. I'll let you know how it goes. And then we do our second one, our second set of showcases pre end of season events. So we do, we have our world's team. So we'll typically do a world's showcase and then a summit showcase because that's what we've been doing for the past couple of years, worlds and D2 summit. So we will do a world showcase and a D2 summit showcase. And those have been really good revenue generators for us because again, we're charging $5 for people to come and watch. We don't always do per performance because there aren't as many teams performing at the same time. But if you want to come watch the World Showcase, it's $5. If you want to come watch the Summit Showcase, it's $5. And we have cycled people in and out for the Summit one, depending on if all of our teams make it, which they have for the past couple of years. So we have done some cycling in and out there. And that's just another revenue generator for us at the end of the season when money is already tight. And it's not nothing super crazy, but our World Showcase typically makes us about $800 to $1,000 uh, in revenue. And then our summit showcase typically makes us around $1,500 in revenue uh, from people coming and watching because there's more people, but the world showcase tends to attract more attention. We also do things to create more buzz around our world showcase. So when we debut a uniform, we'll do it at our world showcase. So on a world's on a uh, uniform reveal season, which it was last year, we will do a uniform reveal, which is another way to kind of get people to want to pay the $5 to come and watch because they get to see it in person and get to see it, see Dream perform and support them out on the mat. So run showcases, sell apparel, charge for the event is just a great way to build profit into your season doing what you already are going to do. And what's in it, so for us, our our showcases alone create another like five to $6,000 in revenue, which is great. That's, that's a nice little uh, bit of change in our pocket. Number two is run two competition-focused pro shops, one in October and one in like February, March, focused on end-of-season events. And for these, what I highly recommend you do is you make these limited-time pro shops where people order online ahead of time. You got to make sure you're partnered with a good distributor. People order things online ahead of time and you tell them they're going to get them by X date based off of what the distributor has told you. And I would always add five or six days based off your distributor just so you can be safe. And people always like getting stuff earlier than they expected it. But parents want to wear your gear. They want to support you uh, and their athletes at events. So get a couple cute items that they want to wear. And I've done both ways. So I've tried and I've tested doing the like kind of budget friendly, you know, the V-neck t-shirt that is only $18 and all that. And they sell like garbage. They just don't do very well versus when I sell a $60 baseball tee, those sell like hotcakes. And although my profit margin in terms of percentage markup is the same, I typically mark clothing up 100%. So let's say I'm selling a baseball tee for $60. I'm paying somewhere around $30 to $32 for it. So if I did that, I'm making around $30 to $28 per tee. If I do a V-neck, that's $18 is what I charge. That means I paid nine. I have to sell two and a half V-necks to equal what one baseball tee is and the baseball tees sell better. The high ticket items sell better. So get that cute stuff, get that stuff that parents are going to be proud to put on 
And it's going to help generate profit for you. It's going to generate pride in your gym. And it's a calling card. You want your parents to be visible and obviously proud of who you are and what you do. It's a statement piece at events for those local athletes that are watching people want to see that they would be joining a part of a family. So that's just another, it's another calling card of like, we are this, this is, this is our identity and you want to be a part of it on top of it brings in revenue for your program. Now I recommend doing the online version versus carrying stock because you're much more likely to get a, a tight group of purchases at a close period of time because they have a limited time to buy. We typically open ours for one week and you don't have to carry stock so you're not losing any money. You don't overbuy and overpurchase for things. That means when I go my, to a distributor, I say, I want to know what the price is for a zero minimum, like a one run. And that's typically the base price I use and I mark up from there and that allows me to have a higher um, profit margin if I surpass one of their quantities, which does happen every once in a while. Also, if they have like a quantity of 20, I'll sometimes I'll surpass that with a run like this. But when people are like, oh, well, you got to order 50 and it saves you a dollar a shirt or $2 a shirt. Well, carrying that stock, was it worth it? I actually lost money on the deal. So I don't carry stock on those things. The only thing I carry stock in is what we call our core gear. And that is gear that I know I'm just going to keep and I'm going to sell year over year over year. And it's our logo. And then on the back, it says family first, because that's kind of our catchphrase. And then we run another one in February. And this is focused on end of season events and really promoting those. For us, the end of season ones don't do quite as well, partially because I mentioned in the fundraising stuff I've talked about before, um, we're doing a lot more raising of funds to help support athletes going to end of season events. So I think people's wallets are just a little bit tighter at that point, but it still brings in additional revenue at the end of the season when we already mentioned money can be a little bit tight. On top of that, at the end of your season, you should be marking up your end of season events. You should be building a profit margin into your end of season events. It doesn't have to be massive, but there should be a profit margin. There is a lot of work and a lot of setup and a lot of things that go into setting those things up. And you should, as a business, be getting compensated. That is time that you as an owner could be spending working on other things within the business. So if it's taking away you or your employees' time and energy, that is money that we need to make sure that we're bringing in for that time. It needs to be a, a profitable uh, usage of your time. You need to have a high effective hourly rate. All right. The last one, and I know this seems a little bit weird, but run pre-registration starting at the end of February, maybe early March for the next season. This is a great way to bring in revenue during your current competition season, using your current competition season as, uh, the, the, the bolster for why people want to register the marketing of it and you're going to bring in additional revenue and you want to have incentive. So our early registration this last year was $75 for early, $100 for, or for like early, early was $75, $100 for early, and then $125 for day of tryouts. And what this does is it creates an incentive for people to want to register early. Uh, it saves them 50 bucks, which people will register early for 50 bucks. It also is not such a high price point that it's restrictive to anyone. 
people have to register to book their tryout time. And it also lets you know who is a risk of not returning. I want to know in February who is not registering yet. So by the end of March or middle of March, I've gone, hmm, who did not take advantage of the $75 registration and the enter in a raffle to get a bag and all these other things? Because those are people I now need to be reaching out to and feeling out and seeing what's going on, especially if it's someone I expected to register for the next season. So make sure you're making those connections, you're having those conversations, and uh, using that pre-registration not only to build revenue coming in during this all-star season, but also allow you to answer questions and set things up for success so people come back the next season. So we spent a lot of time building our all-star academy packets. And some of you listening to this have used those all-star academy packets. Uh, I have to say, Danielle, one of our coaches, one of our founding owners, is one of the best calling cards for our All-Star Academy packets. Danielle, when we first met, was almost all rec. She had a very, very small competitive program. And she was pretty much focused on that for a number of years. They had some incremental growth, and they didn't run a bad program. It just wasn't their primary focus. And when we started the All-Star Academy... Danielle started taking those packets and implementing everything that was coming out in those packets that primarily Shelly was providing. I was providing some of it. And she just started to like aggressively and rigorously implement all those things in her program by delegating it to some of her staff and overseeing some of it. And now she has a fairly large all-star program. I think she's got like upwards of 145, maybe 150 kids this year between her elite half year prep and novice teams like she's doing a great job and she's grown simply from that academy those academy packets and we spend a lot of time on them those academy packets also have a couple packets that are dedicated to budgeting and helping you make your all-star more profitable so if you haven't taken advantage of those you can buy one-off things uh you can buy one-off packets i believe for now although i believe that that ability is going to start to go away. These are also something that get offered to our academy clients when they reach a certain level and they've systemized things and they've made the the baseline of their business ready to rock and roll. Then they can get access to some of our additional add-ons. One of those being as they move to the next level of their coaching game uh, within the academy, they get to actually select whether it be our rec academy or all-star academy. One of our academies to get those packets and be able to implement all those things. So if you need help budgeting for All-Star, you've got to join the Academy. And on top of that, if you aren't ready to join the Academy, you need to get to Vegas. We're hosting a conference in Vegas in January. You've got to be there. Like It is the most affordable for the best conference with skills and business-related tracks. There's going to be multiple tracks during the day, throughout the day for owners and coaches. And there is going to be so much amazing content. You're going to leave with more ideas than you can implement in the next six months. So you've got to get to our conference in Vegas in January. The dates are on NG Cheer and Gymnastics owners. Check them out. They're on our website. You got to get there. All right. So all-star season is 
consuming, it's tiring, it's exhausting, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be profitable. We should be building in profits into our business so we can continue to do what we love. We can continue to pay the bills. You can pay yourself, you can pay your staff, and your program can enrich not only your athletes' lives, but your staff lives, your life, and your family's life. So as you leave this episode, if you haven't set your showcase dates and cost to attend, I want you to do that. Set it right now. Like stop everything, look at your calendar and set a showcase, pick a cost, figure out how you're going to execute it and go. Number two, pick two to four items that you are going to sell pre-competition that you are really interested in doing. Reach out to some distributors that are out there. There's a ton. I'm not going to go into my personal recommendations on those. There are some that are great. There are a few that are not as awesome. Um, so just you know, do your research beforehand. Pick two to four items that you're going to sell pre-competition season and get those selling. Sell them on your website is my personal recommendation. If you don't have a website that can sell things like that, that's something that we in NextGen can help you figure out, help you understand why that's important and even help you set it up. Uh, start planning for your pre-registration now and make sure your website is dialed. Your pre-registration process should be automated. Like you should be able to set it and people should be able to buy, get emails, do everything without you having to answer the phone or input a single point data point. So you need to make sure your website is dialed and you need to start working on that sooner rather than later. If you wait until January to get started with pre-registration, you're going to be swamped, you're going to be overwhelmed, and you're not going to execute it well. So start thinking about those things now. You want to start building your budget in late November, December, and maybe you're finalizing in January. You should have your packet ready to go mid-January so you can release it February. You want everything a month out. So if you're going to start in March, then you want it done in early February. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you're having an amazing start to your competition season. I hope you are not super stressed out, although I, I definitely have my moments uh, where I have been stressed out. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any questions about other ways you can profit, reach out to NextGen. We're here to help you. Reach out to me. Find me on Facebook. I'm here to help you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to be of assistance to the cheer industry. So reach out, ask me questions. If you're looking for another great podcast, make sure you check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast hosted by Jason Larkins. He's had some really awesome guests on lately who have some amazing information. So make sure you check that out as well. With that, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.